This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. On today's show, author Curtis Weeb and I talk about Rat Queens, Pisces, digital comics, drinking, and D20s. I recommend a couple books and talk Daredevil, iZombie, and the upcoming Toronto Comic Arts Festival. Let's party! Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back. Um, We're on an almost regular schedule right now, which is kind of exciting, so I don't have to do one of those, hey, it's been six months since I talked to you. Um, I haven't read a ton of comics in the last couple of weeks. Um, There's a bunch of stuff coming out this week. So when we get to the recommendations, it's going to be more of a couple of things that I maybe haven't talked about um, that I think that you should check out. And uh, we'll get to that soon. But in terms of uh, what I'm working on, some crazy stuff is happening. Um... Releases upcoming Bravest Warriors number 32, which is the last issue of the summer camp arc, is coming out on May 13th. So that's very soon. And uh, Ink for Beginners, which is the book that I'm doing with Retrofit and Big Planet that is all about uh, tattoos. That is something that I wrote Andrew, which is crazy. It's been so long. (laughs) That is coming out um, the weekend of May 10th and 11th, I think. Uh, It might be different times depending on where you're buying it or when it's going to actually be in stores. But um, if you have a store that gets Retrofit comics, I assume they will have it. I don't fully know how these things work, but I know you can order it (laughs) online from Retrofit or from Amazon. It's crazy. It just... um, It appears to be everywhere. Edward Scissorhands should be out again soon. There was a bit of a delay in terms of uh, both on our end and at the end of shipping, but it's coming. It's coming. We're winding down. It's happening. (laughs) Um, The craziest of things to happen in my world of comics, though, is that uh, Power Up is really ramping up. Um, That comic is now has a has a set release date, which is July 22nd. And that is crazy and exciting and wonderful. And in the first of our six issues is going to come out on that day. And it'll it'll be real. (laughs) This comic that Matt Cummings and I have been working on for, you know, at least a year will finally be something that you can pick up and buy, uh, which is insane, I think, to both of us. Because while Matt and I have had a lot of stuff, you know, come out and things that we've worked on have been published, um, this is you know, it's a creator-owned thing. It's our own project. It's, it's our baby. And we're very, very excited for this magical team story to come out. And there's been a write-up on CBR. There's going to be a bunch more press coming out about it soon that I will be linking to on my own Twitter, etc., uh, that you can check out because I want you to see the art and how beautiful and perfect it is. <laughs> so that's really cool. Um, the crazy thing that I, I'm trying to work in my head that I thought it would be sort of funny to talk about is... Um, On July 22nd, on that day when Power Up first comes out, is also the release of the Triple X Very Adult Sex Criminals variant cover that I did with Paulina Ganeshow. Um, And I... I'm not embarrassed about the cover that I did. I'm very excited about it. Uh, you can't actually see it. Some people have been confused about the information uh, online when they see the sort of pink uh, mock-up cover that's up that has my name on it and, like, sex criminals and stuff like that. That is not the cover. That is the ad for the cover. Uh, the cover is too filthy for previews. <laughs> and when you buy it, it's only it's shipping to comic stores. I don't know uh, what it's going to be like in terms of online release. I think it's a pretty limited run of just one one print run, uh, but it comes in a uh, hot pink poly bag, so you can't see the filth that is the cover. <laughs> so on the same day, on July 22nd, um, what a beautiful weekend, uh, or I guess it's going to be a Wednesday, <laughs> my very all-ages friendly super team book, uh, very much meant to be kid-friendly, is coming out at, on the same day as uh, my very, very inappropriate sex criminals cover. And it's weird because I'm asked, I'm asked in panels all the time about what it's like to balance doing more adult work and work for kids. And, you know, most of the time it's fine. I think some people stumble across the things that that cross, you know, paths. And if if people look me up online or follow my Tumblr, obviously there's kid-friendly stuff and there's adult stuff and it's sort of all over the place because that's me and I, I feel like separating those things, you know, only works to a certain extent for me. It starts to feel a little disingenuous. So I'm a little weirded out 
Uh, <laughs> hopefully it'll be fine. Um, I assume they will be displayed on different shelves. But if you happen to be over the age of 18 or 21 or tw- I don't know how the laws work. Um, if you're an adult, you can feel free to pick up both comics. Uh, and if you are not, please do not pick up the one that is in a hot pink poly bag. <laughs> What a time to be alive. Um, I am going to a bunch, uh, well, a couple of conventions in the next little while. Uh, so let's talk about that. She was here, now she's gone. Heels, now she's at the car. Who's in the cat? My roommate. Who's from kitchen? So if you're listening to the podcast this week, uh, I am off to the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, which is one of my favorite shows in the world, definitely one of my favorite Canadian shows, um, because it focuses so much on artists and illustrators and people, especially in the indie comics scene, so much more than, you know, superhero art. And uh, there's no movie TV uh, element to it, which is really cool. I, it's the show that I always spend the most money at because all of my favorite illustrators and cartoonists are there. And uh, the one where I get so overwhelmed by how many people that I love are there. Uh, I guess that happens every show, but at TCAF, it's it's in the Toronto Reference Library. So if you live in Toronto or nearby, you should definitely come check it out. It's Saturday, May 9th and Sunday, May 10th. Um, and it's free, which is also an incredible you know, advantage, especially for people who are exhibiting at the show, because uh, not only is it easier for people to get in, but they have more money to spend on your stuff, which is great. <laughs> I love TCAF partially because I don't have to ship anything across the border. I don't <laughs> I don't have to fly through customs. It's it's really nice. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff about it. It's also some of the best parties of the year. And they're doing a thing this year called Word Balloon Academy, uh, which they've done before, which is on the Friday. That is a whole bunch of talks and workshops given by different cartoonists. Um, all the info about it is at torontocomics.com. And uh, yeah, you definitely should go. It, it is one of my favorite shows and it's free. So um, my only recommendation is to go early because uh, they have hit capacity before in an enormous several floor library as these things uh, do happen. Um, so I'm going to be there with Tapato Co., which is my merch company and friends. And uh, I'm going to have that retrofit book I was talking about, Ink for Beginners, with me, as well as some Adventure Time books and, you know, tote bags and, and prints and things like that. Um, who even knows? Who knows? Who knows what I'll bring? But I'll be there. And I'm happy to sign things. And um I'm going to be doing my secret menu again for that show uh, and for Special Edition, which is in New York. And I just got announced for that show. It's kind of been last minute pulling it all together, but I am going to be there. And Special Edition is sort of this uh, separate stepchild of New York Comic Con almost, which is focused, again, um, on cartoonists and on comics and on illustrators as opposed to movies and TV. And I really like that. Those are my favorite kinds of cons that are about cartoonists and comics and not um, lining up to see a panel about Twilight. Maybe. Nothing against Twilight, but, you know. (laughs) Well, lots against Twilight. But anyway, um, Power Up is coming up very shortly after Special Edition, so I'm not actually going to have it at that show, but uh, you can come up and talk to me about it, and I will probably do some prints or something. Um, So Special Edition in New York is June 6th and 7th um, at Pier 94, and yeah, I'm going to be there. Uh, Some Tapatico people are going to be there. A bunch of friends are going to be there. Lots of people I love in New York, so I'm very, very excited for that. And those are my big upcoming shows until, um, I don't know of anything else until... August. And then in September, I will be at Tapaticon in Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm back on the circuit, but God, nowhere near as much as last year. And uh, thank the dark gods for that. deep in uh, deadline mode, as many writers get to at some point or another, and I have not been reading as many comics as I normally do. Now, there's a bunch of stuff out this week, probably by the time that you are listening to it, uh, which I'm very excited for. We've got Spider-Gwen number four, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number five, and The Wicked and the Divine number ten. There's probably a lot more. Um, The Valkyries variant that I did for Swords of Sorrow should be out this week. It's only out in some stores. It's it's a whole thing. You can check out the Valkyrie's Twitter about, about that. Um, it'll be out 
at some point. Um, but I have been reading a few things, and one that I picked up for myself last week as a treat for finishing the first 60 pages of this um, godforsaken book is Sunstone Volume 2 uh, that is drawn by Stjepan Sage, which I have mispronounced so many times that I've uh, probably summoned a demon of some kind, um, who is the artist on Rat Queens now. And since we're talking to Curtis Weeb, the art, the author of Rat Queens later in the show, it feels very appropriate. Um but he is uh, very well known for the series that he did on DeviantArt for so many years. And I talked about the first volume a couple of episodes ago, but uh, volume two just came out from Top Cow and it is so beautiful. Um, Sunstone is this incredible, you know, it's described as a book about lesbian BDSM, <laughs> but it's so much more than that. Um, it's a really interesting exploration of love and sex and relationships. And the two main characters are are so just so wonderful and so damaged and uh, care about each other so much. And it's so interesting. I just think it's so neat that, you know, the book manages to tackle such difficult and controversial and taboo and sexual subjects while still being very funny and very approachable and sexy. So you should check out Sunstone Volume 2 and Volume 1. They're both so good if you're into something a little titillating. Um... Super Mutant Magic Academy just came out, and that is a uh, collection of comics by Jillian Tamaki, who is half of the team with uh, Mariko Tamaki behind both Skim and This One Summer, um, both of which are books I really, really love. Super Mutant Magic Academy is, was a, a comic that Jillian did online for a really long time, which is um, the books come out from uh, Drawn and Quarterly, which is described as unrequited love, underage drinking, and teen angst rule at a high school for mutants and witches. But it's so much more than that. It's a really, really strange and irreverent comic that um, doesn't adhere to any rules uh, insofar as continuity or uh, it doesn't it doesn't owe its audience anything. It's very funny and very strange. And a lot of the time, I think it's just whatever, you know, Jillian Tamaki was thinking about that day. Um but so weird and, and so funny. And I'm not going to say, like, if you loved this one summer, you might like this because they are so different. Um, but you should very much check it out. It's a beautiful book that, uh, yeah, just came out from Drawn and Quarterly. And she's going to be doing a big debut thing for it at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival this weekend and uh, a bunch of other various places. You can find more info about that online. But, yeah, check it out. It's very, very funny. Very weird. <laughs> um I'm almost caught up, that being I'm halfway through issue five of uh, They're Not Like Us from Eric Stevenson, Simon Gain, and colored by Jordi Belair. Um, <laughs> and that comic, which, uh, again, I've talked about a little bit before, but I can I continue to urge you to check out, is about uh, if the X-Men did not give a fuck, basically. It's a group of teen and up, 20s and 30s aged people that are super powered that just don't just don't give a shit. They just mess with people and they're terrible. <laughs> and our, the main character, Sid, is sort of thrown into it when she discovers, you know, that there are these other people who have these powers and they do take her in. And she thinks, you know, like the X-Men, she's going to be taken to this academy to be trained. And they're like, no, nah, we just want your powers. We want to cause some trouble. And it's, it's really interesting. But, oh, man, is it ever beautiful. This is one of the most beautiful comics I'm reading. Um, just the combination of Simon Gaines' art and Jordy's colors. So gorgeous. So gorgeous. So definitely, definitely check that out. It's really interesting. Every issue has been something that's had me being like, what? <laughs> Which is a lot of fun and, and doesn't always happen when I'm reading. Um, that's kind of all that I'm caught up with for new stuff. Now, I've been watching Daredevil and uh, my opinions on that are, are so varied. I could spend a very long time talking about it, but I'm only up to episode nine, so I haven't finished the season yet. But I've been doing it about an episode every night, every couple of days. Um, and it's it's good. It's weird. It's <laughs> way too violent for me sometimes, and I wish there were more women in it. But when don't I wish that about basically everything? Um, but yeah, I, I got into it, and I have always wanted to read uh, Mark Wade and Chris Samney and Javier Rodriguez's um, series. Uh, so that's the, the 2011, I think, to 2014 run of Daredevil. And Chris Samney is an artist I really love, someone whose work I'm, I've been following online for a really long time. So I bought uh, the first volume of Daredevil when it was on sale on Comixology. And um, I, I had read the first issue, you know, ages and ages and ages ago when it first came out. I'm babbling. See, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so cool and so interesting. And I know that I'm way behind the times and probably everyone listening to this is, is read all of it and is over it already. But if you have been watching the show, um, 
it's such a beautiful, you know, just the way that they use the page, the way Chris Samney illustrates it, um, and the interesting things that they do with his powers are so, so cool to look at. And it's, it's, you know, really vibrant and really fun. And I think if you liked, you know, She-Hulk, if you haven't checked out Daredevil and you were into She-Hulk, um, yeah, definitely check out Daredevil. There's, there's a lot of similarities for me. And I'm excited. I will I will keep you updated on how I'm doing as I plow through that series. But it's it's very very cool. So yeah, I've I've been watching Daredevil and uh, iZombie, and that has been almost my greatest intake of comics stuff recently. iZombie continues to be one of my favorite shows. I think it is fantastic. I think it has these elements of Veronica Mars and Buffy, and uses them really well. Um, such an awesome protagonist in in <laughs> possibly the cheesiest name live more she's a zombie come on makes me sick but uh the show is really great and it is about her uh a zombie who sort of lives a normal life by working at a morgue and eating brains and solving crimes um it's a really ridiculous concept uh, that comes from a really ridiculous and wonderful comic um by chris roberson and mike allred so uh yeah i think it's only a couple episodes in so far maybe five or six it's great you should really watch it. I'm pretty over zombies, and I love iZombie. <laughs> so uh, let's move on. Are you ready for this? Hey, you still with me? Rad. Here's a cool thing. Less Than Live now has a dedicated page on Comixology. You can find it right this very second at comixology.com slash less than live. Now, you may know this already, but Comixology is a platform for buying digital comics, which you can read on your iPad, computer, phone, etc. I'm always going to encourage you to shop at your local comic store uh, when you can, and I still do. But digital comics are amazing for a lot of reasons. You're still supporting the creators, but the paperless platform means you can get as many titles as you want. If, for instance, you don't live near a comic shop, travel frequently, or have simply run out of room in your house. (laughs) Also, Comixology is always having sales, and they're pretty wicked. It's kind of the only newsletter-type email I actually enjoy getting. Other than making it easier to check out recommendations from each episode of our show, good news! If you sign up for Comixology, new users can take 50% off their first order of $15 or more when they use the code LETH, that's my last name, L-E-T-H, in their cart before they check out. Remember to do it before, there's no going back, but seriously, 50% off, you can get a lot of comics for not that much money. So hit up comicsology.com slash less than live after each episode and pick up all the awesome stuff I'm reading and loving, as well as those of our guests, because we're going to have those recommendations on there now, too, which we haven't done before, which is really cool. And you can get them no matter where you live or what you're doing or what state you're in. Comics, everybody. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. So today we're going to talk to Curtis Weeb, who is a writer that I really love, um, and he is the writer of Rat Queens. And we talk about a bunch of his other work, but I felt that I should say it after we had done the interview, uh, what Rat Queens is, because we talk about it at length, but don't really describe it. Um, Rat Queens is a series from Image that is 10, epi- or 10 issues, not episodes, in so far about a group of friends in what is kind of like a D&D campaign. Now, not the people playing it, but the characters in it. Uh, it's a fantasy series involving these four women, um, Hannah, Violet, Dee, and uh, Betty, who are members of the Rat Queens, which is a group that is sort of for hire odd job doers. <laughs> they will, they will, you know, rob somebody or they'll protect somebody. It just depends on what the price is. And uh, it's a really fun fantasy series, definitely mature. There's a lot of cussing and eating shrooms happens a lot. (laughs) Um, But so when that comes up, just so you know what we're talking about, that's what it is. Let's get to the interview. It's a lot of fun, and we talk about a lot of really interesting things to do with writing comics and digital comics. So let's do it. Hi, Curtis. Hey, how's it going? That's good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's the first day the sun has come out in the last five days on the West Coast, so I'm happy. And you're you're in Vancouver? Am I right? Yeah, I live about an hour east uh, of the city. I used to live right in Vancouver and then moved out literally into the woods uh, (laughs) when we had our daughter. So um, uh, yes, I am kind of in the area. 
Mm-hmm. I can always see this is always the mistake I make and I'll make fun of Americans for having bad geography. But I've lived on the East Coast my entire life. So I always refer to all of British Columbia as Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> so when I said Vancouver, I meant British Columbia. Yeah. But I do that every time. I'll be like, oh, you live in Victoria in Vancouver, right? Yeah. So Same bad. city. It's just suburb, really. It's so bad. <laughs> I'm not allowed. I'm not allowed to make fun of Americans anymore who think I live in Iqaluit. No, no, you failed. You, you, you failed as a Canadian, I think. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> um, so you, how many things are you writing right now? Uh, currently, I'm doing three. I do Rat Queens and Pisces, which are currently coming out. Uh, I'm also c- coming down to the end on Peter Panzerfaust, which has a couple issues left, but it's just kind of on a hiatus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the three. And then, you know, there's always you know, things that you do in the back kind of for your own, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that you're secretly working on pitches or working on other, you know, projects or jobs, uh, you know, just to kind of pay the bills and stuff. So yeah. it, it's always a little bit of everything. That's cool. Do you, are there, I assume there's other things that you're working on that are like down, down the pipeline at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got right now I'm working on two separate pitches. I have one with Tess Fowler who did the, Oh yeah. Ra- yeah. I did the Rat Queens Braga special and, We've actually been kind of working together for, I don't know, over a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Just We had a pitch that we did about a year and a half ago. Um, it was basically about a, a transgender Muay Thai kickboxer oh, nice. uh, called Broken Bones. But uh, nobody wanted that, um, <laughs> unsurprisingly, unsurprisingly, given the comic market. But um, so we, we loved that. But we we're just like, you know, what? It's, it's probably just not ready yet mm-hmm. like there's just publishers aren't willing to take a risk on it so i mean it also could have sucked don't get me wrong it could have been could have been terrible for all i know but um so then we just uh i got her to do the braga special because i just loved working with her and yeah. then right after that i just had this idea that i sent her away and it's called mercy kill and so we're, we're 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 working on that right now and then i have another one with uh mindy lee uh, it's just like a science fiction bounty hunter comedy thing. So Sweet. Yeah, always like working on pitches and then and then just background stuff like uh, I've taken a, a day job for a local indie game company, oh, cool. develop uh, kind of creative directing slash writing for a uh, new property. So Sweet. Yeah. Um, so you guys, I mean, you, so I've talked about, and, okay, so you can probably say his name properly, um, but you're a new artist on Rat Queens. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, well, he he just he told me to just call him Steven, but really? I've heard him say it. I mean, it's it's Stepen. Stepen. Okay, because <laughs> I tried very hard in uh, the last episode and uh, completely embarrassed myself because I, I love his stuff, and I only found out about him when I found out he was going to be the new artist for Rat Queens, um, and then just like completely fell for you know uh, Sunstone and all that stuff. Um, how is how's that working out? How's how's getting like fully back into Rat Queens and plotting ahead on that? Oh, it's good. Like, you know, we it was it was kind of a, a weird uh, transition because mm-hmm. you know Rat Queens it was already the schedule was already late on it um, long before Stephen came on. So, <laughs> you know, it was it was just like when I sat down to write issue, I think it was issue ten. Mm-hmm. I realized I hadn't written the characters in like seven months, and it was it was just like whoa, I, I've really <laughs> kind of lost touch with these characters a little bit. And so that was a weird transition. But then once I got into it and wrapped up issue 10, which came out like like a month or two ago, um, getting into like, you know, from issue 11 to 15, which is Steven's going to be doing on full time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I don't know, it was really great because I feel like I'm right back with the characters and, and he's such a fast artist and he really gets, he really gets the tone. He really gets the series uh, so he was a really great uh, artist to get, and mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just happy it worked out that we could have him for this time period. You know, it's really awesome. It, it's so cool. Like I love the series so much, and and I'm so excited to see it uh, continue. And and I loved Tess Fowler's issue, the Braga issue was awesome. So that was really cool. Do you think you're going to do more like guest artists or? Yeah, I I think so. You know, it's part of the whole thing bringing Stephen on. I know I just said Stefan earlier. I'm just going to say Steven because I keep fucking that up. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like when I was looking for him, I was also looking for a lot of other artists just, you know, to cover my bases in case, you know, certain people didn't work out. And uh, so I, I found a lot of great portfolios and it's just kind of this thing where like, oh, their style will be really good. And and so 
I would love to do, you know, in between each arc, do just like a one shot of one of either the side characters or one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's really just about timing for me right now. Mm-hmm. If I have the time to write an additional two scripts, basically a year, um, you know, with everything else going on. So if I can manage my time a bit better, because I mean, let's be honest, as writers, we all know that we waste just a lot, a lot of time. So much time. Uh, <laughs> so much <laughs> so, time. So much. I'm only coming uh, to realize that the more I do it full time. <laughs> well, and, and, and the thing is, you always, it's like this really bad cycle where you do it and you're like, okay, well, that script is like due on Wednesday. You know what? It's Sunday. That gives me like four good days and I'll do a couple pages a day and you never do. And then it's no. like Tuesday night and you're shitting your pants. You're like, why did I waste all those days? And then you hate yourself and you're, I'm never going to do this again. And you do it again on the next script. This is the thing that I've been doing right now because I'm working on, on this Adventure Time book. So it's like every day I'm like, okay, I need to do, you know, X amount of pages. And then I waste three hours doing nothing sit down, write all of it or like two thirds of it. And I'm like, okay, I need to keep going and then waste three more hours and yeah. come back to it. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. It's so the, just the, like getting to focus on that is I can imagine pretty hard. I think that, I think the one thing though, that we have to remind ourselves of as, as frequently as possible is that, you know, the actual writing of the comic is really only about a 10th of the work. A lot of yeah. it just kind of is, is taking the time to, you know, find inspiration for your story or think about the plot points. And I, I often forget about that. And I, and I punish myself. Well, you only wrote like 12 pages in the last three days. But, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is I spent a week trying to figure it out, whether that was listening to music or watching right. TV or whatever. There, there's lots of ways you can find inspiration. And I think sometimes creatives forget that that's part of the process. Yeah. Oh, completely. It, it's so much. And I'm only starting to get into that now doing original stuff. And it is completely different than licensed stuff where you have to build everything up from the ground up. Um, we actually I, I was going to ask it later, but since we segued right into it, somebody on our Twitter asked us, um, this guy who's uh, Mike Wallace on our Twitter. I like to say people's names. I feel like that's nice. <laughs> asked, <laughs> um, you know, when when you're pitching a comic or putting it together, um, do you do like a series Bible and sample scripts or is it? like an informal thing like how much preemptive work do you do i mean probably you would know from your own experience too right like it really it really depends where you are in Mm -hmm. your career right um like for me when i first started out before i had anything published it was you know at least five pages of completed art fully lettered fully colored or or however you want to present it which is terrifying (laughs) yeah it is i mean it's 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 kind of an art unto itself because you know, a first issue is a terrifying thing because you have to hook yeah. a reader in the first 20 or 22 pages. But like a pitch, you have to hook a publisher in five. Yeah. And so it can be difficult. Um, sometimes I, I find people I've seen a lot of pitches that people send to me for just a uh, review or whatever. And, and one of the things that I see people doing is they always take the first five pages of their first issue. And, and I think that can be a mistake. Yeah. Just just take the just and even like. Even if you're just doing just for the pitch, you don't. It doesn't have to be in your first issue. You're just trying to sell what your book is about in the best way possible. So that's just something to keep in mind. But yeah, have the have the completed art. If you're new trying to get in, have like a serious synopsis, an issue breakdown, so like you can show the publisher you know what you're doing. You just you just got to treat it like it's you're applying for the the job of your fucking dreams and and, <laughs> and put every put everything you can into it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't send in a staple together in the top left corner black and white photocopy to Kinko's pitch, like, Mm -hmm. you know, make it, make it look really nice and presentable if you're doing a physical copy. Um, But yeah. And then it's it's just a matter of like, you're going to get rejected. Sorry. You're probably going to get rejected 20 or 30 times. It's just a reality, you know, Uh, I mean, there are the few cases where people slip through the cracks with their one pitch and it's like, you know, you can go to hell. Uh, But but for the rest of us, we've all had the the pain and suffering of being rejected. It's so funny, too, because like I'm getting so humbled by that process now, because when I started, it was like being plucked out of obscurity to do all that Adventure Time stuff. Um, And then a bunch of work that spun off of that. And now that I'm actually trying to pitch original stuff, um, it's a whole new it's a whole new level of uh, humility, I guess, <laughs> that I've gotten <laughs> of doing this because 
it it's so funny too the difference between what different publishers want because i had a pitch that i took to one publisher who was like no 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 you don't you need to focus way less on the characters and way more on the plot and the story like where are you going what's happening and then uh-huh. i reworked it to be that way and then took it to another publisher who was like no 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 it needs to be way more about the characters <laughs> so you never yeah. know too right yeah that's a fair point i i think maybe knowing who you're publishing to like pitching to say like Oni is going to be quite different than pitching to Fantagraphics, right? Like yeah. you, you kind of got to know who you're pitching to. And that, I would say like, do your homework there too. Uh, that, that's a good example of it. And I think too, like really taking into heart, you know, if you get feedback, like really listen to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and have people creatively in your life that are really honest with you, not publishers, but like friends or, or coworkers or something where they can give you honest feedback. And if, and if they tell mm-hmm. you you're awesome all the time, Get get no, they're not. They're not telling the truth. You're not. You're not good. <laughs> that can it can kind of be the worst. I mean, my boyfriend and I are both writers and both working on in comics pitches right now, and it's the worst when we look at each other's stuff because it's like, no, you're perfect. It's great. <laughs> We're the worst people to do that. Yeah, yeah, um, it is really tough. But I read a lot of stuff when I started. Like I found like Jim Zub has a lot a lot of posts about pitching comics that I read that I found really helpful. Um, but there's so much out there. It's, it, it is a whole different process. Yeah. And it is different for everyone. But uh, like you said, there's, there's a ton of resources out there. A mm-hmm. lot of, especially in the last five years, because I feel like the, the pitching game has changed probably yes. quite a bit in the last like five years, especially, but there's a lot of material out there you just mentioned Zub. Um, you know, I, I even ran a podcast for like, I think it was like 20 episodes talking all about the creative process and pitching and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, there's, Lots of information if you just take the time to look for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so is that how you got started? Like, were you always pitching original stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I started, man, I think I started pitching in like 2007, maybe. Yeah. And it was, it was the worst, like <laughs> the worst stuff, you know, the stuff that everyone makes fun of in the slush pile, that would have been my stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, it was, I had no clue about it. There was that was before there was really any resources on the internet. So I was just kind of doing it blind and, and just making it up as I went along. And it's, you know, over a period of, you know, four years that eventually panned out. And that's, that's legit, like four years of pitching and rejections before anything happened. Right. That's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know, it's that or suicide. So I just decided (laughs) to keep going. Just keep doing it. Yeah, may as well. Oh, it is. It is so crazy, and it is such a crazy process. And it was part of why um, I've been talking to so many more writers recently, and really wanted to talk to you too. Is just you know to talk to other people that are in that um, that trench right <laughs> at any given yeah. time, and it never really goes away. You never no. really stop pitching, and, and you never really stop freaking out about the next thing ending. And if if you do, then either you're probably done or there's something else going on. <laughs> I don't like, you know, like I, even though I have, you know, two, two different series out right now, like I, I can't just assume that they're going to, you know, keep going or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have to always assume that even if Rat Queens is successful now, everybody will hate me and want me to die in the next year and I have to do something else that's <laughs> as good. So it's just a matter of always doing, you know, pushing yourself and and never resting on your laurels, as they say. Well, yeah. And I mean, it seems to be going super well. The series is still like crazily popular and especially has like such a huge cult fan base, which is, yeah. is really cool. That's yeah, something I love but, about it so much. It was, uh, man, like I can't even really describe how, you know, like when when we got on that hiatus for a while and yeah. we were getting the new artists and everything, I there was actually a part of me that was like before we had announced a new artist and I was looking for one, I was just like, I think I'm done. Like <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to walk away. Cause the, how I, I can't recover from this. And yeah. it, it just, it actually just blew me away that there was really, there was no, I didn't notice any noticeable change in our sales in like the four months that we were gone. And that, that just shows that people, you know, they really care about this, this project. And so it's, it's really humbling that anyone because I know I would have stuck by it I've been like eh whatever there's something better coming along (laughs) you know so it's it's something that I can't thank people enough for just you know standing by and and believing and that we would come back and and the message would still be the same well I it was really interesting from my perspective because like I you know I run the Valkyries who you have dealt with many many times yes um 
the, that group of women retailers. I, I describe it every time as if people by now don't know, but just in case. Um, and I remember, you know, when all that stuff happened and when it was on hiatus and the future of it was kind of uncertain and like the entire group who there, you know, it's 400 women. It was like about 300 at the time. Um who are such big fans of this series because it is so many amazing female characters and, you know, you've got LGBT characters and you've got, you know, diversity and all this kind of stuff. And, and just, it's just so, it's such a fun, well-written, like dirty romp, <laughs> which there's so <laughs> little of that's also not misogynistic in the comics right. world. Right. Um, and I remember there was like this 160 comment long thread about just like, is Rat Queens going to be okay? <laughs> and we, you know, when Stepan was announced and when we saw the art first coming up, it was just this huge like, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> which was so wonderful to see because I'm just quietly being like, oh, I wish I could send this all to them. <laughs> Um, but I saw that from a lot of people and you guys still get, you know, so many cosplayers and things like that. I see that a lot. Yeah. It's really cool. It's honestly a series that is, has really survived and grown because of the fans. And I, I don't think it's, you know, it's, it, it's great to have like good reviews and stuff like that, but I don't think, I don't think that really long-term has any effect on people buying it. It's, it's really just the first month it came out, it was the same month. I think it was actually even the same week that sex criminals came out, which is like, which is like a giant. It's like this unstoppable giant. And so we were just kind of in the shadow of that. And it's, you know, it's, it's a mad fraction book and, Mm -hmm. and it's good. So it's totally understandable, but I just kind of like, well, you know, we did okay on our first issue and we'll maybe do like five issues and we'll be on our way. And then it was like within a week, there's people like hashtagging it and there was people already cosplaying it. And that's a, that's the first time I've ever had, that kind of reaction to anything that I've done. Yeah. And, uh, and then from there it was just, you know, I engaged the fans, but it became this, it, it's its own thing. And I think, I think really that is how Rat Queens has survived through this whole, you know, the, the delays and everything mm-hmm. like that, because I think Rat Queens is much bigger than me or anyone <laughs> who's cre- the, the people creating it. I think it's become this, this thing that people love for the characters. And I, I would, I would venture a guess that very few people actually know who I or the, or the artist is. They're just like, it's these characters. That's all that matters. And that's for me, honestly, that I'm perfectly fine with that. I couldn't be happier. Well, I think from behind the scenes, I mean, cause I was still working retail when all that started, you know, within the same month and you're right. I mean, it was at the same time as sex criminals. So there were these two books coming out that were both from like male creative teams that were, these very feminist, fun, you know, really, really women-friendly books that came from Image at the same time. And it was such a, like, huge and surprising sigh of relief because they were from men. You know, not not to say that obviously men can write amazingly complicated and strong women, but, you know, that 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 all kind of happened at the same time was so cool. Um, And they're so different, but honestly, like, sort of complimentary series (laughs) in a weird way. It is. They kind of appear together in a a lot of, like, recommendations and stuff, which is is great. Yeah, it's it's weird because, like, just what you mentioned, like, I I never expected the series to like last. I really didn't. I didn't think it was going to go past five issues because, you know, first of all, it's it is a book about four women, and mm-hmm. and historically, books like that have not done great unless it's like you know superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's made uh, on top of that, it's a fantasy book, which is also kind of a thing that doesn't do very well historically in comics. Mm-hmm. Created by two guys, which. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, like I was basically, what are the, what are four things that you had the odds would, stacked against you? For yeah, sure. What are the four things that would make nobody buy this book? Well, let's <laughs> do all of them. Let's see what happens. Um, so just to have that reaction was a huge surprise. And and I, I have to be honest, I think and I'm curious what your thoughts on this, mm-hmm. because you've actually worked in the retail space as well. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like right around the time that both sex criminals and rat queens hit, there was like this huge surge of with female readers between like kind of like 18 to 26 year old yeah. readers mm-hmm. that just kind of be like came out of the woodwork. And I, yeah. do, do you have any like insight into that? Am I right? Do you think in any, in any way, shape or form? I think it's true. And I mean, my theory on this, and I could definitely be wrong is that honestly such a huge percentage of it and such a huge portion of it came I'm not going to say exclusively exclusively from, but largely from Tumblr. Like, I think Tumblr, since it is a visual medium and since so many people in that age range, so many teens and people in their early 20s got onto that. And 
there's so many people talking about comics like comics are so huge on tumblr and there's so many people talking about it like if you ever look up rat queens or wicked and the divine or whatever like they have these massive massive fan communities and stuff like that and it was a lot of stuff like that it was a lot of social media and a lot of the marvel movies coming out and so women getting into comics who might not have been into comics before Um, interesting and i really felt that it did change like from the first year that i was working at strange adventures which was i think like 2010 maybe Mm. um to like 2012 when i started making comics even i saw a huge jump uh in readers and it's just sort of continued to build to the point where you know it's massive it's massive now um and especially where it became more and more socially acceptable like yeah geeky is cool now everyone's geeky (laughs) you know (laughs) it's it's crazy I've never heard the Tumblr connection before. I think that's interesting. I do agree with you though that there's there is a massive comics fan base on Tumblr. The one of the things that I, the other things that I thought could con- have contributed is digital comics. And yeah, I think that's I mean, true I, too, for sure. I I think again historically, I think a lot of comic retailers have been very unfriendly <laughs> uh, to female readers, and 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 you know that's gladly that's changing. But I mean, I've seen I could count maybe one in five stores that understands that it's a business of customer service. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that's why I wanted to work at my comic store. I mean, I, yeah. I got into comics not because I liked comics, but because I liked my local comic shop. You know, I liked everybody that worked there and they were super nice to me even when I didn't read anything. Like, I just went in with my roommate a couple times and they introduced me to the Buffy comics. And that was okay. how I got in. That's how I got started reading comics. And I asked for a job there just because the customer service was so good, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. how I got into it. Um, but it definitely isn't common and I'm definitely spoiled because <laughs> when I travel, yeah. Oh boy, it can be a reality check sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I've noticed that too. Like the stores that are great are amazing. And yeah. the communities when, when there is like almost like a familial community mm-hmm. around, around that store, you know that they're doing something right. But if it's like, people are like, well, it's just the closest store to me. Well, yeah. and, and so I think, I think that's, you know, those those stores that are not, you know, customer focused and, and they're just there because they didn't have anything else to do that. Those those are the, the stores that I think have driven people away. But that I think digital comics, which are becoming a much more it's more lucrative now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that also opened the gate for people to be like, well, I don't have to go to store. I can just, you know. I think, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's from both angles where I think it became a much bigger thing for comic shops to be welcoming and friendly and i know that's a big thing in the valkyries too is that so many people have joined who are the only women working at their shop who never thought of having like you know lgbt spotlights in comic or having creators in their store or you know doing displays based on things or you know any of those things that bigger shops and those ones that do have that familial community are so focused on and that's why they're so great and that's been kind of cool to watch people sort of rework their stores and and through the group and I like that there's a focus on that, but I, I definitely think, yeah, digital comics where you don't have to go outside. You don't have to deal with anybody. <laughs> yeah, look, whoever, whoever caters the most to the laziness of humanity is going to win. So yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't have to leave my bed to get my comics. Perfect. I mean, and I'm so curious about it because, um, you know, I don't know too much behind the scenes because like, everything I've done is licensed. So I don't know a lot of sales stuff. But in terms of this, your comics and especially specifically especially image comics like how do you find the digital sales versus the physical ones like not in terms uh, of specific numbers but well i think uh man because i've been i've been in image comics since about 2011 yeah and you know for 2011 2012 when they just first started to come out it was it was pretty like there was nobody doing it nobody mm-hmm. was buying it you would get maybe a royalty check of like 20 dollars. it was <laughs> <laughs> you know it was it was nothing but yeah. now I mean, it really depends on the series too, but like with Rat Queens, you know, it's the income that we make off of that is almost just under half of what we make for print. So oh, wow. it's grown. It's, it's definitely grown. It's becoming a much more, and that, and that's a nice thing too, is that it's like, it's just, it's a constant, it's a constant sales thing. You know, if you're, if your book, you know, Rat Queens has gone through a few printings now, volume one, and mm-hmm. there's been periods of time where it was unavailable. Right. That doesn't, hap- that doesn't happen with digital. So yeah, um, I think maybe long term, it's it's I think it'll probably come almost par. I think so, too. And and that's one of the things, because like being, you know, a, a retailer for so long and working for a, a, an indie store, I never 
looked at digital comics. It just wasn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't even aware of it. And then now, like, our show is working with Comixology, and, like, I got an iPad, and I'm traveling so much that I wanted to read more digital digital comics. Yeah. And the thing that shocked me so much is when I was going through Comixology, and there were so many books that were out of print, and it had never even occurred to me that I would <laughs> be able to read them, like, all the Cassandra Cain Batman, or Batgirl, and, like, all the Stephanie Brown Batgirl that's never in print, because DC yeah. never reprints them. <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh my god, I can read these now yeah, in exactly. my house. Um, yeah. So it's so it's. I feel like the latest person to the game, but it's awesome. And yeah, I've I've I still try to you know I support the retailers when I you know if I do signings and stuff, I'll always buy products there and yeah and like I try to go because I live now I live an hour away from from the main comic store I used to go to, mm-hmm. uh, but I do buy mostly digital and if I like it, usually I'll try like the first two inches digitally and then I'll just buy the trade when it comes out. Right. It's it's very true. I mean, and because I'm like gone so much because I'm sort of like bi-coastal right now that keeping up on series is is hard <laughs> and yeah. I, I keep like I will buy them in LA and then forget them in LA or buy them here and not travel around with them so it is it is pretty cool but I still love I love a book I love a collection so if yeah. I'm able to like support someone in in both ways and then buy books from the store I feel like I've, I've got it balanced out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. good you know because then yeah. when it's out in a really nice hardcover I will I will buy it and have it yeah and that's nice. exactly and that feels really good <laughs> yeah. totally agree <laughs> um I had one other question that somebody asked here on on the Twitter Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy named Aiden who asked, uh, "What? This is a total segue, but I liked it. Um, what is your <laughs> perfect environment for creating or writing? Where do you like oh, to man. be? Um, Zen space. <laughs> I just I have an office here at my house, which is at the upper level of my house, and mm-hmm. that's kind of my space. That I'm I'm close enough that if my partner needs help with our kid, I'm available. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just literally." just close the door, put on my headphones, listen to some really emo music. And then (laughs) I just write. Well, it's actually really dependent on what I'm writing. If I'm writing Requiem's, I usually listen to the one that I listen to actually most frequently is a band called war paint. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, And that's because I I find the lyrics are kind of like wispy and airy. So I can't, doesn't distract me if it's the lyrics are too loud, then I I can't write to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it. Basically just a quiet space. Give me five hours in a quiet space and I can turn out a script in that sitting. So, uh, but if there's any distractions and and actually this is a benefit, I don't have any internet in my office. So, uh, the, the internet is like, it's always just this little thing like, oh, well I've been writing for an hour. I'll just quickly check Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> and then forget it. And your day is done. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing I really need to work on <laughs> really badly. But that's good. That's really smart. What's your what are your emo uh, emo soundtracks of choice? Um, mostly mostly actual film soundtracks. So I listen to when I'm writing Pisces. Um, I listen. To, I have three soundtracks: the Carnival soundtrack. Right. Uh, the Moon soundtrack, and then oh, actually, so it's four. Uh, the what is the uh, the assassination of Jesse James and the proposition soundtracks by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis? Those are really good choices. I know. <laughs> I, I like all of those soundtracks a lot. Yeah. That's so good. Nice. Like, I want to have to listen to those. I have such a hard time listening to music when I'm writing, even instrumental stuff. It's really, really weird. Yeah, I get, I'm just so easily distracted. Um, I get, like, occasionally I'll get on a burst where it's fine like i wrote an entire issue of edward scissorhands once just listening to the edward scissorhands soundtrack on repeat um because i felt like i was kind of getting away from the feel of the movie you know like i was writing too much my own style and not uh burtony so i think that that helped a lot to sort of keep me in that zone but i honestly a lot of the time i have a a a sound like a white noise thing on my phone that's supposed to help you fall asleep and i will play that so it's just like sound (laughs) it's so weird but I don't know. I have to listen to music when I'm drawing. Okay. Like I can't, a, can't that's do That's interesting it, that though. you have to listen to white noise. That's, I've never heard that one before. It's weird. It doesn't work every time, but especially if I'm out somewhere where there are distracting sounds. Yeah. I have to block it out with something. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I think every writer is different that way. I know people who totally. can write while listening to lyrics, which seems insane to me. Well, I, or I have friends that write, can, will go to a coffee shop. I can't like, do are you, that. I are can't you kidding me? There's, there's, <laughs> There's constantly like people to look at. I can't like, do it. No, it's 
Not for me, anyway. I can't. Like, I've been writing on my porch, um, which is fine because it's all very dim, like, background noise. Like, I'm not right on a, a busy street or anything. Yeah. Um, and my roommate will come out and sit with me, but he just sits and reads. So okay. that's fine. But if someone's trying to talk to me, I'm like, it's murder. It's are you murder. Are you a person that... Um... Do you ever like take the experiment of writing while you're drunk or something like that? Is that something you've ever tried doing or is that just too <laughs> I've distracting? Tried. I've tried. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. Um, yeah. I'm really sometimes. Okay. Like plotting, like coming up with ideas for stuff. If I have yeah. a piece of paper, I'm like, okay, I want to do a series about goblins and then I'll just right. write a ton of stuff down and then wake up in the morning and there's usually like one or two good things. <laughs> <laughs> Does it work for you? Uh, kind of the same what you said, yeah. like just, just the uh, coming up with ideas. And, and I find, cause I, there's a lot of, a lot of my friends here are like either film writers or comic writers. And so, you know, you go out for a couple of drinks with people, mm-hmm. um, just to, just to spitball ideas. I mean, Pisces uh, that I'm doing with Johnny Christmas, yes. that, that book was completely written for like over numerous sessions, over numerous months and months, mm-hmm. uh, where we would go to this, just this scummy, really scummy, uh, pool hall dive bar. <laughs> Uh, co- called Guys and Dolls on Main Street in Vancouver. That's amazing. Uh, $5 doubles, can't go wrong. And it would just be like, <laughs> we'd spend two hours just hashing out ideas and just watching people there. That's um, so perfect. Yeah, it really is. It's, when you're plotting actually, stuff, yeah. Like when you're coming with a, up with ideas for things. Yeah. Yeah, drink writing, all you want. Writing, not, writing no. <laughs> not so much. I feel like it would help with the dialogue in Rat Queens. But, you know, I, I, I don't you write very convincing drunks. Some people are no good at that. I got to tell you. <laughs> It's awesome. Oh man, I believe I it. I, I hope I hope that doesn't spell that I have a problem. It could. I don't know. <laughs> well, if you have a problem, I think we probably both do. Um, <laughs> I, there was a guy on Twitter, um, Ian Kroll, who asked, uh, and I, I feel like this is sort of related. Um, have any of the characters that you've written been based on people you knew, or like even I would ask, you know, adding on to that, like uh, from situations like that, where you're sort of drinking with somebody and, and come up with those things, but. Um, I think it is more like, are they based on anyone? Yeah, I've had, I get. Yeah, this is one question I get frequently, especially about rat queens. That it's really? it is kind of, it's not really based on anyone in in particular. Like, it's just kind of based on this idea that I haven't seen the people I know, or like, right? I guess like conversations that I've had with my female friends really represented. You know, like the the language that they use and. I've had I've had people online call me out and say like I don't know any women that talk like that. And I'm like, well, you don't know the right women. You don't know any cool women. Yeah, because honestly, like some of those lines are just straight out of out of my partner's mouth. Like she she says some shocking shocking things. But it's it's more kind of that that idea of like conversations that I've had with women that I'm just like, man, you don't see like women talking that in media a lot. And I think that's that's unfortunate because that's how my friends talk. And then, and just this other aspect for, especially with the Queens that when I write something, I have to, I have to feel a connection in some way with, with all the characters. Mm-hmm. And so each of them has a facet of either my personality, the way it is, or a way I wish it could be. Um, <laughs> so like in the instance of like Betty, Betty is just kind of like, she loves everyone and she's just accepts everyone no matter what. And that part of me is definitely not a thing. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I really, I really have a hard time with people and people drive me nuts. And I wish I had that kind of empathy that she does. And then I, the one that I connect with the most is D and D's social awkwardness is, mm-hmm. is my own, uh, you know, that scene with her in, in the first arc of her reading a, a book while everyone else is partying. Like yeah. that is, that is me. I thought that was and, so funny because someone actually tweeted that at me the other night. That, ex- that exact panel because I there was a party at my house and I got social anxiety and like went upstairs and hid and was like on Twitter like weirdly like hiding from a party to go up and talk to 20,000 people like oh, <laughs> which is the insanity I've, of the thing I know it is like I, I remember one of my, my favorite stories is I was first dating uh, my lady Shannon and <laughs> we went to meet one of her friends who's into the she's kind of into like she dates a lot of really rich men and she hangs out at these really ritzy hotels and so we walk into this hotel uh, like lobby and there's all these like really rich guys. Obviously, they all drive like Lamborghinis. They're all wearing suits and they're all drinking martinis. Oh, and and I, <laughs> I literally I literally just disappeared. And then Shannon texts me and she's like, where did you go? And I was literally in the bathroom hiding in a toilet stall. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this, too. And people think you're so crazy. But I mean, 
Ugh, it happens to yeah. me at convention parties. It happens to me. And it's so weird because, like, I can be the biggest social butterfly and talk to everyone in the room. And then it'll just be like a switch where all of a sudden I'm just like, I can't be around anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, it is it is weird. And it's not it's also something you, you can control. You can try to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's always this thing that lingers. And I really have to push myself. I mean, the one thing that I've, I do much better now is public speaking at like panels and stuff like that. I can manage that better. But parties where I don't know anyone because I don't really I like to party in my house that's that's a perfect party place Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) with only people I know yes (laughs) (laughs) never going anywhere yeah (laughs) not having to deal with anything it is pretty ideal so I found like that that rang really true in the book I I've always you know reading it uh I identify and love Hannah so much like (laughs) Hannah's my Hannah's like what I wish I could be I wish I gave as little fucks about life yeah that's because that's exactly it that's exactly it that's that 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 is if i could take how i really feel about things to a really extroverted level that's the manifestation of it Mm -hmm. and i just i could never tell people you know just like i just do not fucking care what you think i just i can't i just i would feel i feel ill even thinking about it and i just wish you know there's there's always (laughs) been people in my life that have just been a leech and i just like why am i hanging out with you and if but I we're too her, Canadian to do anything yeah. about it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's infuriating. So a little bit of Hannah is good, I mm-hmm. think, in, in measured doses. Yeah, I feel like I fall very comfortably in the middle of the Hannah D scale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's probably a good way for a real person to be. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but I like that. I, I mean, I was trying to describe Rat Queens to somebody a little while ago, and it was so hard because without actually reading it, the thing that I discovered as I was talking was like, it sounds like it's going to be a Xenoscope series. Like when you describe it, it's yeah. like, oh, well, it's like these four hot adventurer babes and they're like, they don't give a fuck and they're like out drinking and having adventures. And I was like, oh, yeah. that sounds, it sounds like it's going to be so exploitative. And I can be like, but it's not. <laughs> it's not like that. They're really yeah. cool. <laughs> I think, I think that is like, that's still something that, you know, it's, it's definitely got the eye roll factor as I call it. And, you know, it's like I've heard some people say, like, I tried to get my friends to read it. I tried and they just kept on saying no. And then eventually they read it and then they liked it. But I think yeah. it is like the premise. I, I mean, I, I think I dug my own grave. I think one of the quotes <laughs> on the back of the book is like sex in the city would be sort of the rings. Yes, like, which I think is so funny. Is oh, like, my what? God. They're not. They're not. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's so funny. Pull quotes are pull quotes are a double edged sword. Yeah, totally. But that's, yeah, it's really good. I think I think the conversation in that is really awesome. Um, I had one more question from somebody about Rat Queens, and then I want to talk about Pisces. Sure. Um, but uh, so Alicia Harder, who's on our Patreon, asked, uh, given the Rat Queens subject matter, I'm assuming a level of interest in pen and paper RPGs. Do you have any particular favorites? I know you're a game person. Yeah, I'm a game person. Um, yeah, I, I run a... Well, I mean, it used to be more frequent, but since we moved out into the woods, not so frequent. But we play... Uh, fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, which it works for me. It works. It's nice and simple. And I, and I feel like it's easy for people to get into. So I I can recruit newer players that way. And, and I just enjoy it. Um, I actually had a really amazing opportunity a few weeks ago to host Felicia Day at my house. And yes. we, played, we played D&D That's with her. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And we just we just did a random kind of like we, they just picked a sheet out of my hand because I had pre-made the characters, mm-hmm. uh, the Rackwing girls in D&D. And she picked Violet, and she was the most amazing, amazing Violet. She killed all the things. It was really fun. That's so odd. How did that come about? Uh, it's it's kind of weird. She's like she's a massive Rat Queens fan, and just over the course of a year, I've had a chance to like meet her. I went down to L.A. and mm-hmm. and we got to grab lunch, and then she was in town shooting Supernatural because that's right. shot here in Vancouver, and so I just sent her assistant an email and just said hey i saw felicia's here if she wants to grab dinner so we all managed to grab dinner and i kind of casually said in that dinner because she said she'd be back in a month i'm like well if you want to come out to our place and play D and i just totally was like she'd be like uh-huh yeah you know th- this of is course. as far as it goes buddy yeah uh <laughs> but she was like i would love to so it just kind of worked out and uh yeah it's weird it was it was a pretty crazy evening she sounds like the best she so. is you know it's it's funny like she's she's like I feel like in a lot of ways, like me, where like I, uh, people would never guess that I have, you know, social anxiety. Yeah. Uh, but you know, when you get to like a, a you know, more open, honest conversations, like I think, I think all the people that are kind of creatives and are in the spotlight kind of feel that a lot of the ways, but we just mm-hmm. kind of have to put it behind us. And yeah, she's, 
she's really, really funny. Like she's on point with her, her comedy that carries over all the way, but she's definitely quieter than I thought she would be. I feel like I, I believe that. I, yeah. I, I, I could see that happening. She's probably got a, <laughs> a lot, so much going on. Like she's just like building an empire, but also yeah. still sort of like, yeah, quiet and yeah. Dork. she's a dork. Like at yeah. the end of the day, we're all dorks and it yeah, manifests in different ways, but that's really cool. It sounded yeah. really neat. I saw it on Twitter. I was just like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, um, crazy. So, Rack Queens, Rack Queens forever, but uh, Pisces is your new series. Yeah. Um, so, tell me about it. It's just just started coming out. Yeah, it just came out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a science fiction horror book. I, I did a horror book three years ago called Green Wake, and I've really wanted to return to horror in that time. It's just I haven't had the time to do it. Uh, but this is something I've been working on with Johnny for seriously like two years. We've been building this story. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's a horror series about a Vietnam vet that comes back from the Vietnam War. And he ha- experiences something very traumatic in the war. And when he comes back, he starts having these really bizarre uh, glimpses uh, of this future of him in space alone. And he's trying to figure out why he's having this while trying to cope with his PTSD and and dealing with his isolation uh, from everyone else because of what he's had to deal with. Uh, So it's, it's a very psychological uh, horror book. Uh, Whenever I write horror, I like to have to confront things that have been really problematic in my life. Mm -hmm. And green wake for me was, you know, that was all about when my, my marriage was falling apart and all about guilt and remorse and all that. And, And Pisces is very much this idea that, um, the idea of running, from your problems running from your monsters rather than facing them and, and how that manifests in really terrible ways as we, as we get older. That's so, and that's an image series. Yes. It's an image series. And do you, is that, do you guys plan to go ongoing or is it limited? Uh, it's, it, it would be kind of like anthology if we did more than, mm-hmm. than 10 issues, but it's right. just a uh, block for 10 issues right now. That's so cool. It's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting experiment. It, it, what I love about it is that we're, I'm really allowing Johnny to like, do most of the heavy lifting. Whereas, you know, I, I describe a scene and I tell him what the mood needs to be. And he really is able to experiment. And it's a very much more a visual comic than there is narrative. And that was one of the, it was, it was kind of people loved it or hated it when the reviews came out. And uh, yeah, so it's, we're experimenting with it. And I think some people get that. And some people are like, well, nothing happened. Nothing makes sense. And I'm like, well, it's, <laughs> it's going to take time for it to make sense. It's mystery. So, right. Yeah. That's cool, though. I'm excited about it. It's fun to... I'm excited to see new stuff. That's Johnny Christmas. Wow, I was just looking it up because I, I saw the series and had picked it up, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, um, yeah he did uh, He did Sheltered last year. Oh, okay. Person. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. People were really into that. Yeah. Um, what a great name. Johnny Christmas. <laughs> That's awesome. People, people love that, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that helps. Yeah, definitely. Um, so generally, as I get, uh, I'm sure you have to get back to your life, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> And baby. Um, but as I get to the end of the show, I like to ask people what comics they are really into and reading right now. So what you like? Man, you know what? I like a lot of things. But this is something, you know what? I've never actually given an honest answer on with this question. Well, you should. So, I, so, so the, the re- I get to be honest. I haven't read comics in a, quite a while. That's fine. But that's mostly because, and I'm sure you can identify with this. When you're creating comics all day long, and yeah. I just got back from like a, a signing, so I'm talking about comics all the time. Yeah, the, kind of the last thing I want to do is read comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 that said, I still do read them. Uh, the books that I follow that I have on my like comicsology pull list are Nailbiter, uh, Bitch Planet, Saga, uh, Southern Bastards. Oh my god, that was uh, so good. <laughs> Rasputin by Riley Rossmo. I heard really good things about that, but I haven't checked it out. Yeah, it's an it's a book that what I said about Pisces, where they or a lot of the narration is done completely by the art. That book is another example of that. And Riley Rossmo is one of the most prolific and most talented artists in Canada, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's a great book. And I think the first issue has I think two lines of dialogue in it. Oh my god! So it's like he carries it, and there's wow. never any question about what's going on. He's it's, writer it's, and artist. He's he's the artist on it. Alex Grecian is okay. the writer. Uh, they worked on Proof together, but it's just an example of Riley's amazing storytelling capabilities. That there's almost no dialogue in that first issue, and That's it's crazy. it's great and it's beautiful. That's very. I feel like as a writer, that would be hard for me. 
<laughs> to yeah. not I feel like I have to I have to let people know how smart I am. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's the worst, that, right? Fighting that impulse as a writer. Ugh. Yeah, I had I had that with the first issue of Pisces where I wrote yeah. the, the the I think it was the second draft and I go through and I was like there actually is no dialogue in the last 15 pages. Um wow. I got to I got to have dialogue in here or else <laughs> yeah. people are going to hate it. <laughs> but I, you know what? Like I didn't put that much in. I think the last uh, eight or nine pages has zero dialogue in it and mm-hmm. um, it works. And that, that is, it's just a matter of like, you know what? This artist is also a, a storyteller and they understand what is happening and just as much as I do. And so it's just, I've learned to over the years, just like let it go and, and see what happens. And, and it's always great. That's awesome. Well, yeah, so everyone should should go check out Pisces and buy a thousand copies, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, where are you going to be in the next l- little while? What's your upcoming con schedule? Uh, I'm doing a lot of Vancouver stuff. So I'm doing a signing uh, at, in North Vancouver at Big Pete's on Wednesday. I'm doing one on Saturday at Hourglass in Port Moody, BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing VanCalf here in Vancouver mm-hmm. at, near the end of the month. And then Awesome Con at the very end of the month, which is in DC. And then I've got a bunch doing Boston Con this year, nice. maybe San Diego, but we'll see. We'll see. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you're doing quite a bit of it. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I, did, I had to cut. It's hard to travel now when you have a baby. You got to leave behind because yeah. You know, oh, you're so cute, and it's great for the first day, but you're like, ah, I kind of want to see that stupid thing again. <laughs> That's a really good quote. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Um, Curtis, where can people find you if they want to find you and your books on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Curtis J. Weeb, and I have a Facebook fan page, which I think it's just Curtis J. Weeb as well. Um, yeah, it's, and then my website is just curtisweeb.com. You're easy to find. Very easy. <laughs> well, everybody should go uh, buy Rat Queens and Pisces and everything else that you've ever done. Um, Curtis, go go back to, to baby time and writing time. <laughs> I will. And I'm sure I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. No problem. Bye. Bye. I know that you want to the pages inside my Well, that's our show. You can find me next at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, May 9th and 10th, and it's special edition on June 6th and 7th. Until then, visit our brand new Comixology page at comixology.com slash less than live, where you can check out my stuff and all the comics I recommend each episode, including previews and more info. Did you skip the sponsor message? Go back. There's a secret deal in there. In the meantime, rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. If you like the show and want to help us discover what happened to all the Black Widow toys, consider supporting our Patreon at patreon.com slash less than live. If you've got questions or want more, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter at LTLcast, and get show notes on lessthanlivecast.tumblr.com. Have a great day, guys. I'll miss you. Did you know I've been staring at you this whole time? This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. It's dope as hell. Okay, are we done?